Praise the Lord. Congratulations, my friend. That's awesome. So good. Well, a lot of good things happened in the past couple of months here at LifeSpring. One of those things is the Thursday morning prayer time. I actually have a picture, I think, of the crew that came on Thursday morning. Look at that. I just have to apologize. That guy in the back is Tucker. My big head is right, right in the way of Tucker. So sorry about that, Tucker. But a lot of fun Thursday morning. Um, this week we're going to be at Nel- uh, Nelson Nature Park, uh, if you guys know where that is. Um, is that on 24th? Right? Um, down that direction. Please join us. Last week we talked about the check engine light coming on, you know, the check engine light of life, which God has such a neat sense of humor as my check engine light went on this morning on the way here, but that's cool. Um, is Alan Kuykendall here? Uh, Alan Kuykendall, he actually made that life-size check engine light. Did you guys see that? That was so cool. Um, does anyone want a life-size check engine light? Um, I'm sure he'd love to give that to you. I, I'm not sure... I think that is the thing of nightmares. So as much as I enjoyed it last week, I never want to see it again. <laughs> but, you know, it's those moments of breakdown, right? We've all been there. Uh, if, you, if you're breathing oxygen, you've, you've been there before. It's those moments of breakdown. But beautiful Jesus, precious Savior, comes in, does the work that only he can do in those times. We talked about those moments that hit you hard, but what do you do when they hit you hard? We, we mentioned two things, if you remember last Sunday. We, we said that you run to the Word. We run to the Scriptures that are hidden in your heart. We talked about that lady that had memorized 300 Scriptures when she was eight years old. Unbelievable. And then she goes through uh, the loss of two of her husbands, but as each husband died, the Scriptures just came uh, up and came forth, and, and, and truly uh, the Lord uh, used His Word in powerful ways. But then we also talked about how important it was to pray to the Lord and, and to believe in the power of prayer, to even follow the example of Jesus. Jesus, by the way, prayed all the time. Jesus, who did he pray to, by the way? To his father. Absolutely. And if Jesus is praying, I think as disciples, we should also be praying. And so I, I do believe what we're doing on Thursday mornings might be the most important thing that we do all week. Again, 8 a.m., uh, we're over at Nelson nature park just come out join us i know that a lot of you work some of you work really early Uh, some of you work at like four or five in the morning uh which is not (laughs) biblical (laughs) just like wow uh incredible but maybe for you just uh if you have a smartphone put the timer on uh, maybe your alarm so when it goes off you can pray with us Uh, i believe that we can pray together in the spirit even if we're not together in the same location we can be praying together in the spirit. So again, Nelson Nature Park, 8 a.m. Well, today we've made it at the finish line. Uh, by the way, also the last two months, Laura Ranow has been working her tail off to do the programming for this series. So thank you, Laura. We have such an amazing programming team here at the church. And, and I've really enjoyed the series. I've enjoyed uh, going on this journey. In fact, one of you, uh, I'm not going to mention who it was, Kyla Ferris, this last week, actually listened to the entire series this, this week. And I, I think, you know, actually praise the Lord for that. Praise God. Because it is good. It is good to allow these truths of God's Word to truly penetrate our hearts. Because if you, you ever heard something good... Like, really good, and then it goes in one ear, and then what happens? Whoop! (laughs) It goes right out the other one. But today, we want to take inventory, right? Inventory, to remember what God has done. This is actually a very biblical principle. In the Old Testament, you'd see the Israelites 
remember. You remember they had put those remembrance stones together to remember what their Lord had done. This is in Joshua chapter 4. It says, when all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan. Remember that? This amazing crossing over the Jordan. The Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan. Just visualize, picture what this looks like. From the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodged tonight. So Joshua calls the 12 men from the people of Israel whom he had appointed a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. Take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder. That lets you know that the stone is bigger than uh, maybe what you thought it was, right? Like, oh, I'll just take this rock and then I'm just going to put this little rock on my shoulder. No, it's obviously a large stone that they put on their shoulder And then it says, according to the number of tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you, this is powerful, when your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones, little children, my child, these stones. What are they? They are a memorial, a memorial of what our God has done, a memorial forever. Jesus does this as well, doesn't he? In the New Testament, he gives us his own command to remember. He gives us this command to remember when he gives us the instructions for communion. Uh, Follow with me. He takes the bread. You guys have all heard this before. You hear it probably about once a month here at LifeSpring. He took the bread and when he'd given thanks, he broke it. And he says, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in anybody remembrance of me. But he's not done yet. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, The cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And we do that today, right? When we take the cup, when we take the bread, we always do it in remembrance of Jesus. So, Life Spring, today, let's take this opportunity to consider, to remember what Jesus has done for you this summer. What has he done for you this summer? For me, I didn't have to get very far into the series for the Lord just to wreck me. Week one. Week one. Do you remember week? I'm not even going to ask you to uh, tell me what week one was about because none of you will remember and I'll feel bad. So I'm not even going to go there, but it was about counting the cost. Remember that? Counting the cost. If you want to be Jesus' disciple, you've got to count the cost. You don't just add Jesus to your life, right? Jesus is not an addition. No, you give up everything. You surrender. Jesus becomes Everything. All our eggs are in one basket. We're a one-trick pony. Jesus is everything. The, Jesus, the way that Jesus talks about this is actually quite radical. Listen to how Jesus talks. Luke chapter 14. Large crowds are traveling with Jesus, the Bible tells us. So Jesus is at the height of his popularity. Everybody's following Jesus. Everybody thinks Jesus is really awesome. And then what does he say? If anyone comes to me and does not hate Father... Whoa, what? <laughs> what? What? That typo? (laughs) No, it's actually in the Bible. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry their cross, whoever does not follow me, they cannot be my disciple. Verse 33 says, those of you who do not give up, say it with me, everything you have cannot be my disciples. Now, if Jesus 
says that you must give up everything to be his disciple and you believe that he actually is who he says he is, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the very Son of God, the Savior of the world, then if he says that, then guess what? As his followers, that's what we do. And yet we live in a real world with real things that try to keep us from completely surrendering and trusting in Jesus. And so that message, I don't know about you, but that message just challenged me a tad bit, spoke deeply to my heart, if I'm truly honest. And it came to a place, and I just remember feeling this way and talking to the Lord even as I was preparing that message. I was just like, God, I'm sorry. You ever been there with the Lord? I'm just sorry. You know that song, it's like, uh, I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. Coming back to the heart of worship. I just remember saying, Lord, I'm sorry for what I've made my life to be. So here I am again. You ever done that? Right. Here I am again. Once again. <laughs> for the thousandth time. Here I am. I'm yours. I put my trust and my faith. I put my family. I put my career. I put my very life back into your hands. As if it was even mine to begin with. But I choose to lay it down for you and for your kingdom. It was so healthy for me. If you've ever been there before, it's a refreshing time. And, I, and it's, I've gone through this summer just is as if I've had a different set of eyes. I know the Lord is leading me as a rabbi leads his disciple. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Most of you know I have two interns working for me. Uh, can we just have the interns raise their hands and just freak out for them because they're awesome? Tucker and Kyla. To help us put down some of these remembrance stones of what God has done the past two months, I've asked each one of them to briefly share of what God is doing in their lives. So if you can have a quick pace, Tucker Mayor, can you please come up to the stage? Otherwise, it will be awkward as we wait. (laughs) Hello? Um, So... I went and re-listened to the, uh, some of the podcasts, and uh, one thing that really stuck out to me was uh, week three, recalculating the course. I think that's what it's called, something like that. Um, and it was Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sinner, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path, and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens. In this way, obey the law of Christ. Um, to me, it just is like such a reminder, and it kind of convicted me because I'm like, I've seen quite a few people that just they start walking away, and it's it's our job to make sure that we are with grace and being gentle to them, remind them like, hey. We're, we're Christians. Like, this is this is what this is who we are. This Jesus is so good to us. Let's embrace that. Like, so it just is a reminder to me of, hey, if you see someone say something, and like, but don't do it harshly because that's not gonna work. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad he didn't speak for very long because I have a lot to say, so bear with me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, Kind of going off of week three, recalculating on the road trip, um, Dan's kind of title, you know, point two was uh, God loves the wanderer. Um, 
and that really, really spoke to me. Um, Romans 2, 4 says that his kindness leads us to repentance. And when we were in that message, I was thinking, you know, um, this isn't like, well, Jesus, you know, last week I was supposed to read First Chronicles 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, and I kind of just skimmed through all of them and, and all those names, you know, but it's fine. Please forgive me. I'll do better next time. Yes, if you feel convicted of that, please repent of that. That's a good thing to do better. But this kind of repentance was, Lord, I am really bad at trusting in you. And I just want to control things. And I'm trying to push all of my beach balls into the water. And I am holding on to things, you know, with my fist clenched tight. Would you please release my fist? Would you please help me trust in you? Holy Spirit, guide me through that. That's this kind of repentance. And this repentance comes out of a kindness. This is not um, out of shame. God does not shame you into into doing things better. By the way, if you feel shamed into doing something, it's not going to work. You're, you might, you know, do do it well for a couple of days or a couple of weeks, but that's not going to work. It's not a shame. It's not of anger. He's not scolding you. He loves you and he loves the wander and he wants you to come back to him. And that that's where we grow out of that. That that kindness leads us to repentance. So that was my first thing. Um, a couple of weeks later. Uh, we talked about not being alone on the journey. And, uh, you know, not to get too deep too quick, but um, I'd been in a really lonely season for a really long time. A really, really long time. <laughs> and it's not that, you know, I was just living by myself or, you know, I thought, well, maybe it's because I don't have very many friends. So I got more friends and it didn't help. Well, maybe I'm not spending enough time with my family. So I, you know, I'd go home every weekend and, and that didn't help. And I was like, well, geez, maybe it's because I don't have a boyfriend. You know, all these different things you think, well, if I add people into my life, maybe I won't feel so lonely. And it got to the point where I, you know, I'd be sitting in my living room with my entire family and I, you know, I'm touching, bumping arms with my family, you know, and I'm thinking, why do I feel so alone in this? Why do I feel so completely by myself? And, um, and we had talked about John 7, 3, 8, rivers of life or rivers of living water will flow from within them. That I have a river of life flowing out of me, and that's the Holy Spirit. And that, that loneliness was a dam that I had built up because I wasn't letting the Holy Spirit. It was, it was kind of a still water. I had like a, a little bit of a murky pond, and it was out of that control also that I, you know, I wanted, I wanted to build my little murky pond. I was like, no, this is mine. This is, this is the part that I wanted to give you. So, you know, it comes out of a very active part of you. You know, James 4, 8 says, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. You know, when you lean in, when you say, God, I give you 100%, like Mary had spoken that day, every single little part of my heart, every single part that I'm ashamed about, every single part that I don't want to give you, that I don't want to share with other people, that I don't even want to share with you, you have every single part of my heart. And when that Holy Spirit comes and invades you and invades that heart and is a river of life flooding out of that heart, man, that is not loneliness. And out of that, something I'd been learning this summer is um, prayer is a really practical way to live into that. Um, I hate the sound of my own voice, which is funny as a singer. Um, I know, ha, ha, ha. But even hearing it like on the mic, I'm just cringing it every second. But when you, when you pray out loud, let me tell you, as I'm learning, um, you are exchanging oxygen for your authoritative word over the devil. Because the devil's lie is that you are alone. The devil's lies that the Holy Spirit is not inside of you. 
And those are things that, you know, go in your mind and go in your mind. And praying in your mind is a good thing. You should be doing that 24-7. That's a great thing. Writing down in your journal and writing, writing down your prayers, those are wonderful, wonderful things. But when you speak into existence the truths that you have, the truth that I am not alone, that the Holy Spirit is a river of life flowing out of me, and that when I'm with others, when I'm in community with others, and I'm in community with God, that, you know, that authoritative prayer is really powerful. So I just encourage you in that. Maybe start off in your car if you're by yourself. You know, turn up the music really, really loud so you don't have to hear yourself. Or, um, But, you know, hearing hearing your voice say those things is powerful, and that will get you out of that stage. So um, I know when Dan asked me to share, I was like, he's like, oh, you know, maybe one or two things. And I was like, one or two things from each week? Like, this has been such a powerful, powerful um series. And I would just encourage you guys, I'm not crazy. I didn't listen to every podcast just because I was like, oh yeah, this is a fun thing to do. I mean, it was fun, but <laughs> I was driving, you know, I, I had a long commute. Um, but if you guys want to go on the website, we have podcasts from every single week. We have a video from every single week. And there's also a PDF upload of all of the slides. So for any type of learning style or any way that you can engage, they're all there for you. And it all, um, just ways that you can lean in just like, um, just like James says, James 4 says, to draw near to God and leaning in. Because um, I really believe that we can all glean something out of this series because it's been really powerful. Wow. Amen. We are so blessed by both you, Tucker and Kyla. Just what a gift you guys are. Amen. Well, today as I close, I, I want to say this. Ultimately, what is the end of the road trip? look like for you? What does the end of the road trip look like for you? And when we talk about the end, we might be tempted to think about the end of the journey uh, kind of being when you die, right? That you die and the road trip is over. In fact, just in the last couple of weeks, we've had two men of God who've passed away. Uh, Many of you know uh, our our friend, Pastor Mark, over at Church of Joy. His son, uh, who was in his 30s, drowned a couple of weeks ago. Very tragic death. And then just this last week, uh, uh, not this Friday, but the Friday before, uh, one of my best friends, who's the senior pastor of a church called Heights, uh, the Heights uh, in Airway Heights, actually where my nephew just started leading worship two Sundays ago, so it's over kind of by Spokane, uh, my nephew's drummer. Uh, he'd only gotten to play with him once, and on Friday he lost control of his motor- motorcycle and died in a motorcycle accident. Radical man who loved Jesus, um, absolutely adored uh, his Savior. And there's a part of you that kind of almost believes that the journey has ended for them. But then you remember as Christians, as ones who actually believe in the resurrection of the dead, we know it's not the end. In fact, there's a very famous scripture, but it's famous because it's powerful. John 3.16 declares, in fact, can we put it up on the screen if we have it? Read it with me together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, declare it, should not perish but have eternal life. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Jesus declares in chapter 11 of John, he says, I am the resurrection. He says, I am the life. Whoever believes in me, he says, though he die, yet shall he live. We sometimes see our death as the end because none of us have seen the next part of the journey. This is all we know. And so when our time on earth is over, it feels like everything is over. And yet in Christ, we have this faith. We trust in him. We do not perish. We have eternal life in him. Though we die, 
and we all will die. Though we die, yet shall we live. It's not the end. In many ways, it's only the beginning. But what I really want to leave you with today before we conclude this series is simply this. One day, yes, we will all die and we will head into the next stage of the journey. And you don't really get an opportunity to decide when that day is going to come. Right? It's not up to you, really. But you do get to decide how you're going to live your life until that day. Now, you have a choice. You might want to write that down. I have a choice. The Apostle Paul puts our choice in simple terms. He says we can live the rest of the days of our lives on this earth for the flesh or by the Spirit. We can live just like the world lives. We can do what the world does. Or we can live by a higher power, the power of God for a higher purpose to do what God has called us to do. We have that choice. Paul writes this down in several of his letters. I want to read uh, you what he writes in Galatians chapter 5. He says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit, guess what? They are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh, they're evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before, he writes, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is this. Say it with me. This is so good. This is, I love this list. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, a gentleness, self-control. Praise the Lord. It says against these things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And then I added this next verse. I just love it. He goes, and if we live by the Spirit, then what? Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And so my challenge for all of us today is simply to keep in step with the Spirit. For the rest of your days on this earth, for however long that is. And again, most of us, we don't know how long that is. But for as long as it is that you would keep in step with the Spirit. Listen to Him. Obey Him. Be sensitive, right? Be, have you ever realized when you're not sensitive to His move, you're kind of just like, oh, I don't know what God's doing. No. Wake up. Be sensitive to the move of the Spirit of God. Now, walking by the Spirit, by the way, doesn't mean you won't make mistakes. Walking by the Spirit doesn't even mean you're not going to completely blow it from time to time, right? Sin is crouching at the door, and I don't know if you're like me, sometimes we open the door. But what I love about people who choose to live by the Spirit of God is they don't let sin get that foothold in their lives. Even when they fall, and we all fall, but when they fall, what do they do? Say it again. They get back up. That's like a spiritual principle, right? As you stand in faith, you rise up. You remember who you are and whose you are. You remember what Jesus has done for you. You take communion, remember his body. You remember his blood and you get back up. You rise up in faith and you say, I'm moving forward in the things of God. 
That's what Christians do. They walk by the Spirit of God. The question for you this morning is, how about you? How about you? How about you? And this is how I want to close this service. This is how I want to close this series. Regardless of how the last two months have gone, good, bad, or ugly, today I just challenge you to hear this. You have the power. Today you have the power to choose to live by the flesh or to live by the Spirit. And you might not want to hear this part, but your choice will greatly influence the trajectory of your road trip. You are much more powerful than you realize. I say do hard things, no excuses, no pity parties. You hear me say that often, right? Do hard things, no excuses, no pity parties. It's because how many people are still operating from excuses because of something someone else has done. But you have to realize this morning, you have the power to choose whether you're going to live by the flesh. Again, regardless of what has happened. And I get ugly, evil, awful, terrible things have happened. But they do not have to dictate and define the trajectory of your life. You can choose even when the most evil things have done to you. Even when your brothers put you into a pit. Even when your brothers sell you into slavery like Joseph's brothers did to them. Even later, what did he say? When they're all around the table, when he could have had them killed in a word. Just a word they could have been killed. He said, no, what you meant for evil, God worked for good. Are you going to live by the flesh or walk by the Spirit? So this is what we're going to do. I'm actually going to read, if you have your Bible, open up to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. These are some of the last Recorded words of the Apostle Paul. Now, when you first read about Paul, do you remember what the Bible called him? He had a different name. Saul. When you first read about Saul, he was persecuting the church. He was zealous in his persecution of the church. Very passionate in his in his zealous, he just he loved arresting Christians and, and going from town to town. Where are thou, art thou, Christians? Let me tie you up. And he was just so happy to persecute us. Is that how he ended? I want to say that again. Is that how he ended? I think that's why I care so much about today. Is regardless of how you've gone through the last two months, good, bad, or ugly, it's not about how you started. It's about how you end. And Paul. As much as he was zealous for persecuting the church, at the end of his life, he was a man who was passionate for the things of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. He had surrendered his life. He had laid down everything for the plans and the purposes of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of Jesus Christ. He was truly a man who lived by the Spirit of God. As I read this, I I just want you to think of the choices you and I get to make every day. And remember, your choices matter. Who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? Who do you want to live for? God's never going to force you, by the way, to choose the way of His Spirit. You're not a robot. He didn't make robots. There's a little thing we call free will. He's never going to force you to choose to live by His Spirit. But you have the power to choose to live by His Spirit. Did you know that Jesus set you free from sin? Did you know that? That he set you free from sin. In fact, Galatians 5, 1, it says, you know what? You know why Christ set you free? He says it was for freedom. He loves you so much. He has such a passion for the things of God. He set you free for freedom. He set you free. You're free. As a Christian, that you are free. 
But how are you going to use that freedom? Are you going to use that freedom to live for God or live for the things of this world? Galatians 5.13 says, You are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Again, I ask you the question, are you going to use your freedom in Jesus to indulge the flesh, to live for the things of this world, or are you going to rise up in faith, choose God, and walk in step with the Spirit? This is what he writes. But understand this. In the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant. How did he know? (laughs) Abusive. Disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. We're hearing a lot of just this is kind of someone who would be living for the world, right? And living in the world, living by the flesh, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning, never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. He goes on to talk about Janus and Jambres who opposed Moses, and so these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind, disqualified regarding the faith, but they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. You, however, and remember, who's he writing to? Timothy, right? He's, he's, writing to, he's encouraging Timothy. Again, Paul dies pretty quickly after this, probably the last words of Paul. He says, but you, however, you followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. Remember we talked about steadfastness. My persecutions, my sufferings that happened to me at Antioch. Remember when we talked about Antioch? Iconium, Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You can make that into a poster. Put that above your bathroom toilet to encourage you. Let's read it again just for that encouragement. All the desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And the church said, Amen. <laughs> I love being a pastor. (laughs) Verse 13, while evil people and imposters go on from bad to worse, deceiving, being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation Through faith in Christ Jesus. Don't you want to be wise in salvation? All scripture is breathed out of God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man or the woman of God may be complete. Don't you want to be complete? Equipped. Don't you want to be equipped for every good work? So I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead... And by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. 
Be ready in season and out of season. Preach the word. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. Listen to this. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. How did you know, Paul? How did you know? There's a time coming when they will not endure sound teaching, but they have itching ears. And they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Wow. And they will turn away from listening to the truth. And they will wander into myths. But as for you, can we receive this today? As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. And then Paul writes, he says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. Oh, he's so good. He says, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. You see, there's two different types of people, aren't there, described by Paul. One who would live for the world, one who would succumb to the passions of the world, indulge the flesh, and yet another who lives and even dies for the plans and purposes of God, living, keeping in step with the Spirit of God. Again, my question for you is this. Which one are you? Which one are you? My heart for each one of you as your pastor is that when you take your last breath on this earth, that you could say that you lived for God, that you fought the good fight, that you finished the race, and that you kept the faith. And by the way, not that you were perfect, right? Not that you were perfect, not that you didn't ever make a mistake, but by the amazing and powerful grace of God, you kept going. If there was a megaphone, you know what I'd yell to people going to Seahawks games? I'd be like, just keep going, keep going, you got it, you got it, keep going. To Christians all around the world, you got it, keep going. I love what you said, Tucker. I'm right there with you. How many people that I thought we were going together and I'm just like, what happened to them? Where did they go? I just heard the story yesterday of someone when I first started leading worship in 1998. A couple that I looked up to, I adored. And I just started hearing about their life right now. It's devastating. You kept going, but you kept going. You're going to Texas. Texas is going to be hard. There's going to be challenges in Texas. But that you keep going. You fight the fight. You keep the faith. When people mock you, when people challenge you, when people try to divide you, when things come in to try to divide your marriage, you say, no. Our house is built on the rock, the foundation of Christ Jesus. The good and the bad and the ugly, you say, no. Today, even if yesterday was a defeat, today I'm standing in victory. Stubborn faith. I think there's, I don't find that in the Bible, but I think there's something about just a stubborn faith. There's no, as for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. And we're kind of messy, but we're going the best we can. 
I just pray that for each one of us. Each one of us. Each one of us. You didn't give up. When you wandered, and we all wander, that God, by His grace, He just kind of got you back on. When you had that moment of breakdown, and we all going to break down. But that you said, no, Jesus, this is like week one. Lord, here I am again. I'm counting the cost. I need you to fix me. I need you to repair me. I need you to work on my broken parts, on my broken bones. Just start working on me, Jesus. Do a good work in me. I just pray that for each one of us because, man, if you take that last breath and you head into your next breath in heaven, how beautiful and precious it would be for you to receive the crown of righteousness. Sometimes the way we do American churches doesn't fit into the reality of what it means to be on this earth. We, right, right now, when you're thinking about the crown of righteousness, like how does that even fit into an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning? That one day I will breathe my last breath on this earth. I will be poured out like a drink offering. You as well, every one of us, we will have given everything that we could have given, the best that we knew how, warts and all, right? And yes, we made mistakes, but we knew that we loved Jesus. Our hearts were for the Lord. And we come in from the last breath here into the first breath there. And he said, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. A crown of righteousness, which the Lord will reward you with on that day i want that so desperately for you but i also tell you jesus wants that for you much more than your pastor ever will jesus wants that for you he wanted it so badly for you that when he left this earth you remember what he did he went to his father and he asked him to send you a helper to send you a counselor to send you one who would walk alongside to send you the holy spirit to be with you forever And you can today, by the power of God, choose to live by the power of that Holy, Holy Spirit. It's up to you. It's up to you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you did not leave us alone. You did not abandon us. I I can only imagine what it was like to leave your disciples. You loved them so much. You adored them, and you knew that they were going to go through some hard things. You knew that people were going to turn against them. You knew that they would even be persecuted. You knew that some of them would die, even violent deaths, because of their faith in you, Jesus. And yet, you did not leave them alone. You went to your Father, and you asked the Father to send the Holy Spirit. Not just to be around them, not just to kind of hang with them, but to live within them. That each one of us, as your disciples, we are bearers, we are temples of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit, actually dwells within us. And we thank you for that, God. And I thank you, Lord, that this moment, right now, we can choose once again to live by the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Lord, you did not come to condemn us, you came to save us. And I thank you for that. I thank you for that, Jesus. And I just pray right now that you would just begin to save us again. The reality is some of us, we just, we just need to come back to you as Savior. Some of us, we need to come back to you as the one who forgives. We need to come back to you the one who restores. We have to come back to you the one that heals. We just come back to you, Jesus, in this moment. But also, Jesus, as you do what only you can do, I pray that you would open up our eyes to the reality of the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit is here. 
And he is willing to help us in our time of need. He's willing to resource us and give us what we need to do what you've called us to do. And so regardless of how the last two months have gone, good, bad, or ugly, today we say, no, I am free and I have been set free. But I'm no longer going to use my freedom to indulge my flesh. I'm no longer using my freedom to live for the world and the purposes of the world. I'm using the freedom I have found in Christ Jesus to live for the Spirit of God, to stay in step with the very Spirit of God, that where you go, I go, what you say, I say, what you do, I do, that wherever you go, I'm going to. So Holy Spirit, have your way in this place as we sing this song together. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Move from within us rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. As we finish the race, rivers of living water. As we come to the end of our time on this earth and head into the next journey with you in heaven, rivers of living water. Rivers. Rivers. Rivers of life flowing out of me. I got rivers of life flowing out of me. I got rivers of life flowing out of me. Hallelujah and amen. Would you stand with us? Praise the Lord.